Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Imperfect Athlete Podcast, my show about mistakes, how they happen, what they mean to people and ultimately how they change behavior to make people better. This week we have a really exciting guest on the podcast, former Canadian national team player Justin Duff, uh, a volleyball player with a great track record. But before that, um, my mistake of the week I recently went and coached with Team Ontario with a youth uh, program uh, there, and there was a there were a lot of other coaches around there, and I realized that in the beginning I wasn't really open to hearing and learning from my fellow coaches who were there. I was a bit closed off. I had a little bit of a mindset of what am I doing here? Uh, am I really going to be able to learn anything from these people? And after about a day that I was there, I was in total there for seven days, I realized, you know what, I need to just stop uh, thinking too highly of myself and listen to what other people were saying. And I have to say that after I made that decision and realized that that wasn't what I wanted to do, I had one of the best weeks of coaching I ever had. I learned a bunch, I had a bunch of fun. It was a tiring but very, very rewarding weekend in which I really think I was able to to sharpen some of the tools of coaching that I've been having. So definitely take that into account, try to be open to what other people can teach you. But without further ado, let's get into the episode with former national team player, Justin Duff. excited to be here yeah actually I am. Yeah? yeah that's good so uh, Justin is a, a former national player for uh, Team Canada volleyball he's played pro in Europe for how many seasons now nine or ten nine or ten like a long time uh, originally from Winnipeg yeah yeah so not here uh, here in Ottawa but he lives here in Ottawa now um you know Justin let's let's dive straight into it um sure. I kind of want to ask you a little bit about like how did you get into volleyball like how do you, how did you get in contact with the sport and how did you start playing it so it's a bit of a funny story the first time I even noticed volleyball I was I think I was in the eighth grade and I had played baseball and a few of the guys on the team were playing like community or club volleyball and I was like what I've never heard, like I've seen volleyball in gym class but I've never ever thought of like playing it as a sport and you know, they, they seem to be having a good time. And then in grade nine, when I, my first year of high school, I tried out for the volleyball team, but I had no idea what I was doing. And I actually got cut. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, and it, it was the right decision by that gym teacher. I, I was not prepared to, to play at that level or at any level yet. But, um, you know, I, I trained a little bit with the kind of the developmental grade nine team. And then the next year I, I had a growth spurt. So I was about six foot three and I could dunk a basketball. And they're like, I guess you can play on our team now. <laughs> yeah. And then it just, things just kind of kept rolling from there. I went to uh, the next year I was on the varsity team and one of the uh, educational assistants, he was like, hey, look, I've played university volleyball and I think you have potential. You just need some coaching and some uh, direction. So he kind of forwarded my name through to the coach of the University of Winnipeg who saw me and was like, yeah, sure, 
come uh, come play for our club. So just everything spiraled from there. I ended up playing a junior national team after my grade 12 season mm-hmm. and then uh, went right into my first year of university where I basically sat the bench the whole time. <laughs> yeah, like we won a national championship, so we had a really great team, but I just was not like still wasn't good enough. It was funny because I kept getting I kept getting better, but I kept getting better and then being the worst player on the current team. Mm. So it was like, oh man, I'm just terrible at this game, but people still want me, I guess. Yeah, and then uh, after my second year of university, I was starting. Third year, I was playing well. And then my fourth year, I was a first team All-Canadian. So that was a really successful year for me. But funny enough, it was the least successful year for the team. Yeah, so we went from, we got first at Nationals my first year, second at Nationals my second year, uh, like, you know, tied for fifth at Nationals my third year, and then we didn't make Nationals my fourth year. So it was very strange, you know, that individual success versus the team, you know, unsuccess. So I find it interesting that you you mentioned, like, um, for for the, like, first part of my career, I was always the, the, like, the worst on the team. Like, I kept... (laughs) getting better which just kept ending up yeah. like how did you deal with sort of like being that role all the time like why did you want to persist so much in getting better um because I really liked what volleyball did for my life you know I I started traveling mm-hmm. so right when I first played on that uh, club team we went to nationals in Calgary and like I had never been to Calgary before I'd never gone on like a trip before like that you know my, my family we we had some small trips like you know, a couple hours away in the states and stuff like North Dakota from Winnipeg but that was about it so I, I really enjoyed the opportunities of volleyball open for me and then as I was getting into my you know grade 12 season it was becoming clear that I would have a chance to play for the junior national team and then I would uh, have a chance to you know maybe go to university and get a scholarship and know pursue other things and so like that was enough motivation for me just seeing that this was a huge positive in my life with kind of an outrageous potential so you you went to junior national team with not you know that much experience experience, like two years (laughs) so you go there and obviously you're really excited to be there yeah so you get in an environment new environment this is always the question on this podcast What was the mistake you made there? Oh my God, there were so many. Um, so up until that point, volleyball was always like a hobby. Mm-hmm. That's how it felt to me. And I didn't take it very seriously. And then I went to junior national team and it was like I had gotten there and the coaches had told me like, you had a great, you know, club nationals. We're really excited to have you. Like we want you as our like middle one, basically, yeah. because we think you're, you have that ability. And I went into that first day like, okay, like I'm pretty sweet and I'm supposed to be the guy here. And it was the first time I'd ever done training, like hard training two times a day and just, you know, wake up, get ready to play volleyball, eat, recover, sleep again, get up, ready to play volleyball. Like, uh, and it was completely beyond me. I had no idea how to handle that. And I did a very bad job handling that. So the mistake I made was, well, just kind of underestimating the amount of work that would be required mm-hmm. and the work that would be expected. Like, I just thought, whatever, I don't need to train that well. I play well in games. Like, that's what they have me here, right? No, it doesn't really cut it at that level. Even if, you know, 
regardless of how you will be playing, you need to train well or else people just don't respect you also. Yeah. So this was a, like a training camp? Yeah, it was, uh, I think it was a six week training camp in Edmonton Mm -hmm. and then we went to Mexico for a tournament. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so you get there and you have this mindset of like, I'm the guy or they told me that I want to, you know, I should be the the first middle and, and then what, what, like, when do you start realizing like, Oh, what I'm doing is not going to cut it. (laughs) Oh, well, I mean, it's, it started, you know, probably a couple of weeks into training where I just was like, everyone's trying so hard and I don't really want to try very hard. Mm. And then I realized like, I, I mean, I didn't realize at the time, but when I looked back at it, it was like, okay, like my work ethic or my expectation of what it would mean to be a high level volleyball player was set so unrealistically low. And these people who were really fighting and trying to, you know, work to get better were, were doing the right thing. Whereas I was like, almost looked down on them like, oh, you take this seriously? Like, yeah, so that was a huge mental hurdle because I, I just was so ignorant at the time. And how, how did you traverse that hurdle? Uh, a little, many, many humbling experiences, <laughs> I would say. So we, I went from being like the first middle to that like troublemaking middle who was maybe fourth. Ooh, yeah. yeah, and I wasn't playing. I wasn't on the A side in practice. So we got to that tournament again and I was like on the bench or just watching and like, wow, I was like, what, what am I doing here? Like, how did this happen? You know, because it seemed like just the other night, it was mm-hmm. like, you're the guy. And then it's all of a sudden, like, you are f- so far from being the guy. <laughs> you're not any guy. <laughs> yeah. So, and then do, do you remember like having a, a moment like after that where like you, you made a decision, like I'm going to take this seriously or? No, I think it took, it just took so much more time. You know, like even going into my first year of university, I, I thought almost the same thing. Like, okay, you know, I had this experience at junior national team. I have, you know, I, no one else on my team was junior national team or national team. So that's, that's pretty mm. cool. That's pretty different. But it was almost like the same thing over again, where I just had these unrealistic expectations of, and I had so many other distractions. So one of the, yeah, I would say that's a kind of a pinnacle thing in my career. It took me so long to realize how hard I needed to work to be taken seriously by others, mm. number one. Yeah. And also to continue to develop my craft or to even have fun playing it because it was still just a hobby for me. Mm. Yeah. And I guess maybe things came too easily because I was very talented. Like I was tall. I jumped really well. I was strong naturally and fast. Like I didn't have to work for those things so much. They just kind of came to me. Mm. And there were a lot of people that I played with or worked with and they had amazing work ethics. And I just thought, oh, okay, well, that's their thing, right? Like I'm tall and I can jump and this yeah. guy works hard. Like, you know, I, that's, that's how it is. So that's kind of the story I told myself. I feel maybe also looking way back on it with like a lot more mm-hmm. experience that it was some kind of a fear where like I thought it's okay for me to be uh, average or fine because I'm not trying. Mm. And it's like a defense mechanism it is i think so yeah and but if you know that you're trying as hard as possible and you're doing everything you can and you still fail like that hurts that sucks yeah and that's something that needs to uh you need to deal with you know you, you can't hide behind anything when you have that you have to face take it to face look yourself in the mirror and and say like my best efforts weren't enough yeah and and you know from what what i know from working with athletes that sort of 
ties into this concept we call athletic identity. It's like how much of, of, of your identity do you describe yourself as an athlete? Mm-hmm. Right? Probably right now if I ask you, like, what are you? You huh. say a volleyball athlete. Right? I mean, no, that's always been a piece of me too, where like I tried not to identify myself as a, as a, an athlete because I thought there was so much more, so much different to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, again, I almost, I would look down on people who were like, no, I'm only an athlete. I'm like, well, that's the only thing you can do. That kind of sucks. Like, don't you want to do other stuff? Aren't you interested in other things? Like I, you know, got into that state where it's like jack of all trades, master of none kind of thing. But mm like volleyball was the only thing that really set me apart from other people you know and if you look back at it do you kind of like maybe not regret but would you you change some of your your approach to those things in the early days well i i feel like it was a kind of lesson that i had to learn you know like for myself Mm. i got advice and i had people telling me and like bringing that to my attention but i always just dismissed it Mm. or i didn't think that it was something that applied to me like oh, you can't do this at that level because I'm like, oh, watch me do it, you know? Yeah. But again, it was all just, it was just fear. It was being silly or thinking way too much of yourself, like having just the wrong perspective, you know? Mm. So it's actually something I try to bring to coaching youth now. Mm -hmm. When I see those kind of traits in another athlete, I, I think I can emote to them a little bit better. And I want to try and give them the perspective I have now as, you know, a 10-year pro who's been doing this for a long time at a, at a quite a high level uh, and just let them know that it it's doesn't need to be about other people. It can just be about you. Mm. And like, just because you're not, you know, you're not trying your best at the moment and you know that you're not trying your best. Maybe you don't know. Maybe you need to learn yeah. that you can do more and maybe you need to learn that you can't judge yourself by people here necessarily you need to judge yourself by these you know that unnamed polish kid that's over there working his yeah. butt off and he's going to be a stud at 22 and how are you going to measure up to that if if you want volleyball to be a huge part of your life you know yeah and and i think that's a, a difficult thing and correct me if i'm wrong like i know i'm like this I, i'm exactly the same somebody tells me this is not going to work at there or that <laughs> level i'm like watch me yeah. Like I, this is this works and and i like my relationship with mistakes is like i need to go flat on my face before i'll change my behavior like yes. i'll, I'll <laughs> think that i know everything and that i'm confident and then i get there and it's not and like until the moment i actually like make the the terrible mistake i will not take it the, the simple example of this is you know obviously i'm from the netherlands mm-hmm. and my girlfriend warned me probably a thousand times that winters were cold here yeah it took me until the first day where it was minus 30 to accept what I needed to do to survive winter. And she had told me like a hundred times. Yeah. Right. But I, I needed to make that mistake in order to truly believe it. Yeah, and then you learned. And then I learned. Oh, now I'm like, and now I do the same thing too. And that's like, I, I resonated that with the coaching thing. Like, oh, I do the same thing to my friends. They're like, oh, should we come and visit in January? I'm like, yeah, but know that, you know, it's really cold. And, and I can see sort of like that, that resembles in how you're talking yeah. about this. It's like, is that, is that kind of like a red line through your career where like you needed to go flat on your face before you changed your behavior? Yes. And I have, I have actually fallen so many times flat on my face. I don't know if people know about that or like, mm-hmm. I, I guess that's the whole point of the, the podcast is to bring that to light, to help people understand that 
you know, athletes, no matter where they are or what they accomplish, like they have yeah. so many personal battles and, you know. And also for, for everyone listening right now, I, I want you to envision Justin is sitting across from me and he has a big smile on his face, right? And I can <laughs> see in his eyes sort of like him looking back and replaying some of those flat on his face moments. And like, I can almost see like you appreciate them. Is that, is that oh, about correct? That's yeah, absolutely. I mean, there were so many moments that I thought this is the worst thing ever. And this, it sucks and I don't deserve it. And I felt sorry for myself, but then, uh, you know, it, it spurred me into action or like I found some kind of, uh, meaningful thing out of it, even in the worst possible you know, predicaments. I mean, not that anything has been so, so bad for me. Mm. Like, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to be from Canada and I'm healthy enough. And, you know, I've, I've been fortunate in so many ways. So I don't want it to sound like that, but like there are, everyone has these perfect plans or everyone has this idea or this story. And sometimes that story is only that it's not reality. Yeah. So that's, can you, can you give me an example of one of those yeah. situations? So the biggest example probably and one of the biggest turning points in my life I was about I was 24 and I was playing in Turkey and I got hurt mm -hmm. in the last workout before the end of preseason and we okay. were doing squats five sets of five five or three times a week so it was like the 15th set of squats that week and I tried to really like push it and get that high weight and I ended up uh tearing a ligament i want to say in my spine and i had a bulging disc pretty badly okay and so i i went down and then i felt like oh what was that and then as i came up i felt like a <sighs> like oh i put the bar down and was just like ah! <laughs> almost like you know crying from pain and i ended up missing uh more than two months Mm -hmm. And uh, I was only at this team to play Champions League matches because we have a, a foreigner limit in the league. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I was I missed every Champions League match until the playoffs. And my coach of that team, who was also the coach of the national team at the time, he took me in aside one day and in his office he said, "Justin, I'm going to send you home." And I was like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, like you're not getting better, and I don't think you're taking this seriously enough." And I was like, "Well, that is." absolutely wrong i'm doing yeah. everything i can i'm doing what the doctor is telling me like i'm not a i'm not a physician i'm not a physiotherapist i don't know how to recover myself that's these guys job right like so if i'm not getting better you should actually come down on them in my opinion but whatever that's also a pro sport reality like it's gonna hurt you in the end so you need to be careful um so anyways i ended up being able to recover and for whatever reason i started playing very well very quickly from that time away and we lost in that first Champions League series, so I only played two matches, but I played very, very well. And because of that, I was able to join a Russian team, which mm -hmm. is the top league yeah. for their playoffs, because I was no longer needed in this Turkish team. So I went to Russia, uh, was playing with these guys I like idolized, like Grosher and Mazarski, like two super high-end players still in the world today. Yeah. And uh, another guy, Sergei Chichukin, he went to four or five Olympics. Like The, the quality of people I was around was outstanding. And it was the first time in my life where I was training and trying really hard and failing every day. Mm. And like they were, I just knew like these guys are beyond me. I don't even know why I'm here. I almost feel like an imposter, but I need to try and hide that and just do yeah. my part. So I, um, yeah, I put everything aside and was just like, yep, I don't care if I'm just a distraction. I don't care if I'm not a star on this team. Like these guys are better than me and I accept that. And I'm just going to try and do my part. And that was maybe the healthiest mentally I'd been playing because I played really well and we ended up winning the Russian championship 
And that's when everything went wrong. <laughs> Why did so it like, go wrong? Well, I had those couple, I was only there for three months, I'd say. And we, we had a lot, like we had to beat uh, Zenit Kazan, who was like mm-hmm. a perennial powerhouse in Europe with Matt Anderson at 26. And he was a, a star and we beat them pretty handily. We had to beat uh, Nova Sibirsk, who had won the uh, uh, European Champions League that year as well. Yeah. And we lost to them two games there. We won two games back at home and then we won the third game there. Like no question. We just crushed them. So everything was like, wow, you know, we're really getting, I'm getting everything out of this work that I put in the last couple months. And mm. then we run the Russian championship and everyone gets excited and has a bunch of vodka. And the president of the team who doesn't speak any English is like, Justin, you know, we want to hire you for next year. We want you to come back. And I was like, great. Yeah. I am set. I'm going to be playing on a top team in Russia, the best league, like making amazing money. Like this is, this is really where I, my whole career turns to that, like, you know, yeah. I was a talent and now I'm a star. And, uh, of course, first I get back to national team. And uh, last week before we start our World League campaign, I tear uh, my patella tendon. Mm-hmm. And uh, I spend the whole summer trying to recover and coming back to play too quickly and tearing it again and again and again and hurting it. And uh, the Russian team is like, hey, Justin, you know, I know we said that we want you back now, but uh, we ended up having to take another player. So, okay. and during that, that time where they had kind of kept me on a leash, I was saying no to a lot of other really great contracts. And, uh, then I was hurt and I was jobless and I was living in Gatineau and it was cold and <laughs> so that sucked. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And in a pretty, in a relationship as well, that was going quite downhill. So it's just like all those things put together, like that expectation, that like great accomplishment followed by that, like disappointment with the injury disappointment with the club disappointment with the relationship like it all it hits you all at once and i got a message from my uh agent in december late december and it said uh justin you know there's a team uh in indonesia that's interested in you do you want to mm-hmm. go and i looked at uh, i was in winnipeg at the time it was negative 35 and i looked at weather in the weather Indonesia, yeah. and it was plus 35 i'm like yep yeah so in two days i Got on that plane and I and I just left and I went to Indonesia, which is not a top league. Like no, people were very confused as to why I was going there, and I just I had no other option that was interesting. So I went there and I I had like a life changing experience where I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about uh, just how different people work. Like you know, it's it's different than Europe, right? Like it, Southeast Asia, that's not the same. It, I can imagine. I've, I've never lived there but i i already had that same experience going from the netherlands to greece where oh, yeah. expected it to be a a western culture and it's not not at all not at all no. so like i can sort of imagine what it must be like when you go to southeast southeast asia yeah just a way different and it was the volleyball was 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 bad but you know you always had two foreigners on a team and they're always like a you know a pro like a brazilian guy who's 30 years old like he knows how to play he's pretty good he yeah. just was never national team but so you have to really, you you had to fight. It was easy to get uh, distracted, but you really had to put your time in. And I had a great teammate there, an American guy, Ryan Owens, who taught me a lot about life and really pushed some boundaries of mine. And uh, so, yeah, it just, it was such a big change from thinking that I was on the top of the world, especially volleyball-wise, to going to, yeah. I'm in like one of the worst leagues and I, I'm just kind of ex- enjoying life. <laughs> and, and, you know, what, I, what I'm interested in is like you come of that, great season with the Russian team or season few months mm-hmm. uh, and then 
you get injured going into the international season. Yeah. Like how much do you think those were kind of related? Was it, you know, was it just like uh, injuries sometimes happen or do you think like uh, because was... you were so hyped or something, maybe didn't self-check enough and therefore like try too hard or like, do you well, feel like that was related? It was definitely related. Like it all came from the back injury where I lost, uh, you know, a couple months of, you know, fitness and blah, blah, blah. And then I went to Russia and I was playing intense games very quickly and at the mm -hmm. maximum of my, you know, mental and physical capacity. Because if I wasn't playing at 100-100, I was really, I was bad. Mm, yeah. Yeah, like I had the guy that I was replacing just killing me in practice. And I was like, oh my goodness, like things need to change yeah. real quick here. So um, yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was different. So, so, so looking back at it, you, you said like I come of that and maybe return to that intensity maybe a bit too quick. Yeah, well, I ended up, because of those games, I ended up getting hurt. Um after we played the first game against Zenit Kazan. Mm -hmm. And I got, it was the same kind of thing, like a, some kind of minor tear. And I had yeah. some shockwave therapy. I had a bunch of different stuff, a bunch of whatever Russian pills that yeah. they give you. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. I don't know what they were, but <laughs> yeah. And then uh, you just keep playing through it and playing through it. And you're too excited to really stop or to think like, mm. oh, have I recovered properly yeah. here? Or have I given myself the time? And then national team comes. And I was, again, I was on the top of the world. I was like, yeah, I just won in Russia. Like I'm going to be a, a star this summer mm, everyone's yeah. gonna see that everyone's gonna understand it and then like i was i didn't even jump i just started my approach before uh, uh you know a seven or a 31 yeah and i heard like a and i was just like <gasps> and, and i stood just, there it like, was just gone oh yeah and everyone on my team was like what, what's wrong because i didn't like scream out or anything i'm just like hurt my knee and sat down and like just oh yeah. yeah kind of a disaster <laughs> And, and, and like, how does that, you know, I think looking back, how would you, how would you have approached that maybe a little bit different after that season? I mean, maybe I would have taken a little bit more time. Mm -hmm. I would have, I would have understood that I need to ask for time instead of just assume that the coaching staff knows what's best for me. Because, mm -hmm. you know, like I said before, there's a... Um, there are a lot of support staff that you have, physios and yeah. massage and blah, blah, blah. And like they're, they have a lot of education. They're doing their, their best work, but they got 12 other guys or 15 other guys or who knows, right? Like, yeah. And if you, I don't know if everyone knows their body the best, but you got to have some kind of inkling. Like, you know, as much as I want to play and as excited as I am right now, I need some time. If I played until, you know, the 15th of May or something, and then I'm back with national team the next week and after traveling a bunch, like, yeah, it's not a good idea. Yeah. And uh, is it fair to say that that's fairly similar to what happened when you were, you know, the other team where you you hurt your back and it's that conversation of like, I thought it was, you know, the support staff job of getting me healthy. Is that, is that the kind <laughs> of like similar situation where it's like you're trusting maybe other people too much a, a bit too much yeah. I, i don't know just they seem rather similar well that's the tricky part right like in professional sports what i've learned is that you are fully liable mm. so like if i get hurt and my team decides that they don't want to pay me for a couple months to get better and they just fire me that's mm. that's going to happen yeah and i'm not going to be able to take them to court Because it's going to be very difficult. I haven't been lucky. I haven't played in a place like the Netherlands where things are organized and people are held accountable. I've played mm -hmm. in, you know, Greece and Turkey yeah. and Indonesia, Russia. Like, you know, these guys are in Russia. They're paying me in $100 US bills 
that I kept in my cabinet. Like, I was terrified there. So yeah. there are weird, a lot of weird things going on. And of course, you know, I have whatever paperwork they gave me and I, try, I made it, I took it totally illegally into Canada and all that stuff. But man, it's, I, can I really yeah. trust these guys? Like, where's the bank yeah. at? <laughs> and and uh, how do you deal with that? Because that must be, you know, distracting situations. Well, you deal with it in the sense that you have to understand that you're not in Canada. Mm. And things just happen in other countries and that's how it goes. My American friend was always trying to keep... Uh, keep the Indonesians super honest and be like, no, this is not how you treat professionals. This is blah, blah. But it's like, yeah, but mm. these people don't, they don't think like that. That's really not a part of how yeah. the majority of that population uh, goes about life. So how can you have like this standard there in, uh, you know, USA, when you think of like the MLB or NHL and NBA, like I bet yeah. you those guys aren't waiting for paychecks. Those guys aren't being given the ring around by team management. Like, I have these situations where my team management won't talk to me for two months and because they yeah. owe me money and they don't want to talk about it. Yeah. And they just ignore my phone calls and I'm like, what can I do? Yeah. I remember uh, when I was living in Greece, there was a professional basketball team in the same town. I lived in a tiny town hmm. and, I was, and stories like that were all the time, like US players would come and then like a month later would be gone again yeah. or like, you know, they'd be like, yeah, we, we didn't get paid for the last like two months and it's... It's an it's an interesting dynamic, and I think what's really interesting, and it's how I experience like living in a culture like that too, is mm-hmm. it's it's just not how they think. Yeah. Rather than, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I've, one of the mistakes I made first coming there is thinking that they were making mistakes, mm. right? Seeing it as I, I remember the, the the biggest thing I remember I did my my master's degree in Greece. Sure. And uh, the, one of the things I remember was I had an assignment due on Tuesday. And by the Friday before, I still hadn't gotten the assignment. And it was a 15-page paper. Wow. Right? So in my mind, I'm like, wait, there's only four days left until this is due. And I don't know what, I, so, what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. Right? So in my mind, I'm like, the teacher is not giving me the right information. Yeah. But... What I learned after a few months, what the mistake was there, I was like, no, that's not how it works. How it works is that the teacher just gives it to you at some point and you just relax. And then you say, oh, but I only have four days. Can I just give it in later? And, and the teacher's like, oh, yeah, just give it in like two weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And it's not that they, that's because they're, they're, you know, they're lax or lazy. It's just their culture is not as strict as for instance the netherlands and yes. i found canada here too yeah. right there's just it's a cultural a different cultural norm where like the work will get done yeah. it's just when it gets done you don't know no and that's something that i found myself making that mistake but actually once i sort of accept accepted that fact that i actually started working really well in that environment mm-hmm. where it's like okay now sure this is how it's going to work Rather right. than how I want it to work or expect it to work, this is just this is how it's going to be. Yeah. And if I work within those parameters, I'm gonna be fine, right? Yeah. So that, that kind of brings me to the next question. With all your experience of you know, playing in in Turkey and Greece and in Indonesia and in, in Russia, like what are what are some of the like mistakes you made going abroad and like living in other cultures? And maybe not necessarily in terms of like volleyball, but just in you know, you're there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You live there. Like, right. how did you, like, what, what are some things that you realized you had to change 
living abroad as a, as a professional athlete? Mm, well, I had to get used to people not speaking English mm-hmm. because it's just, it's, you know, Canada is a, a French and an English country, but the vast majority is English. Yeah. And I don't speak French. I've been, you know, I grew up here all my life and I speak, well, I mean, I speak very, very little French. Like, I'm super bad. So, like, why, how can I expect everyone else in the world to speak English? You know, like, mm. in Europe, you get lucky sometimes, especially if you're in, like, you know, the Scandinavian country or, you know, yeah. Germany or something, then, yeah, you'll get it. But in Turkey, if I go somewhere and I don't know how to speak, like, some rudimentary Turkish, I probably can't get any help from someone. Yeah. So I always took that as uh, to heart. And I always tried to learn how to do the basics like navigation or like I want something in every language or like, you know, how to go to the grocery store and explain like, I need four bell peppers. Where are they? You know, like, yeah, because I feel like it's my place to do that. And I don't think that it's another person's obligation to serve me in English because they're just living in their country and like their language is, is good. So mm. why would I, why would they go above and beyond that? Like I haven't done yeah. that in my own country, even for, for French. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And, and did you get any uh, language training from the teams? Like, was that provided or did you have to like I had in my... it yourself? Or like, how does, how does that work? Yeah. So like in my contract, the very first year, I asked for like language classes. That was one of like my stipulations. And mm-hmm. we practiced twice a day. It was like, you know, nine to 11, four to seven. And one of the team managers was like, hey, Justin, we found a language class. It starts at six. And I was like, yeah, I'm always practicing at that time. Why would you come to me with a language class that starts in the middle of my practice? Like, is that, what are you, yeah, like, and I was, you know, young and like, oh, no, okay, like, sorry, I'm not going to take it. Well, yeah, sorry, but, you know, I look back now and I'm like, whoa, man, how could someone, especially in a management position, yeah, be that out to lunch or like be that, I don't know, just disinterested that they're like, oh, yeah, this is the thing. Do you want to do it? I'm like, no, of course not. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that that was kind of like on purpose? Like, oh, we'll just get one and it's during practice time so we don't actually have to. Make you know what? Do I it. never thought it was on purpose because it's like the prices aren't so outrageous. Mm. I just took it as I cannot trust mm. anyone here to do anything for me. Yeah. So I need to find my own time. And I did. I found an online kind of course. Uh, I think it was called Babbel. Oh, it's yes, like an I've app. Heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was actually really good before it, like, it had like a really good uh, like word trainer. But then they went super monetized and they changed up their format and it became really clunky and junk. I don't know. I just, it fell out of, I, I used it for like three languages, you know? So yeah, it was great. And then it became annoying. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a shame. That's a, that's interesting about the, about the language, especially of course coming from a language, uh, country with two official languages. Did you, like, how did you manage them when you were living in, in Gatineau? God, no, it's funny because it's like you're in Ottawa, you're speaking English, there's no problem. As soon yeah. as you go across that bridge, it's like you might get someone who's just like, yeah, it's like zero English. They probably can, but they might not want to. So, yeah, that's right? yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I know some some really basic stuff, but I just I just usually kept to myself or I spoke English and hoped that they would return the favor. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I. I, I'm loving this, the input you're giving. I think it's a really interesting insight oh. into like, how do you, you know, as an athlete, how do you develop into a place where you work hard enough and you do the things that are right for you? Yeah. Right. And what I'm hearing a lot, and, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, is that what you have to learn a lot is like, how do I care for myself? How do I put myself in a position where I can succeed? Mm-hmm. Right. First with like, oh, 
So like not trying hard enough because you don't want to put yourself out there. And then like maybe with some of the, the physical injuries where, mm-hmm. you know, you might have maybe like taken some more time to, to look at yourself and say, you know what, I'm going to put myself first and say, I need to take a break or something like that. Yeah. And that kind of leads me into a question that I like asking is like, what kind of advice would you have for young athletes that, you know, maybe have the, the aspiration to go and play professional sports, whether that's in volleyball or, or any other sports, like what would you tell them if looking forward at their career? Yeah. I mean, the first thing I would tell them is to watch their favorite player, not only their favorite player, but a bunch of their favorite players, mm-hmm. especially in a similar position. And just look at the little things they do with their body, like how they move, how they execute skills, because there's so much to learn and you can really expedite that learning by copying others. So like you don't need to have the revolutionary like, oh, I'm going to hit a step back three. Like, oh, that's a thing I can do. No, you watch Luka Doncic and James Harden hit a thousand a season and you're like, okay, that's a, that's a thing that those guys figured out and they learned how to do it. Like, so um, I would say, yeah, get a lot of video, watch a lot of the sport you're interested in and just try and like watch it intently, you know, put your phone mm-hmm. down and, and really look and be like, okay, that's what he's doing with his body when he does that. Or, you know, she's mm-hmm. moving this way. Okay. Cause there's so much to be learned, um, you know, whether you're cognizant of it or not. And then that can help you just get better quicker. In my opinion, I think. Yeah. That, I, I really like the. like there's so much to be learned whether you're paying attention or not Mm -hmm. and it's your own like there is so much out there to learn but the only way you can tap into that is if you actually engage and and look for things yeah that you can learn i think that's you know what what i sometimes say when i'm coaching is is i can only do probably about 15 to 20 percent of the work i can design drills that are perfectly capable of teaching things i can Mm -hmm. give the right feedback i can do everything right but if you're not listening nothing will happen right you need to engage whether you're on the court or watching a video or talking to your your coach or anyone else like outside of your sport like if you're not um if you're not listening if you're not engaged and thinking critically about what's going to happen you're not going to learn anything I think it's really interesting how you say it's like go watch people and but like watch them. Yeah. Not just look at look it. at them. That's the like, big difference. Them. Look and watch are yeah. completely different. And, and w- like with my team last year, we said um, listen to hear, not to respond. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a similar kind of thing. It's like when somebody's telling you something, listen to understand what they're saying, yeah, don't rather think than about... listen to, f- to to find the response that you want to give. Yeah. Right. So sometimes not responding or not saying anything is, is just as or probably more effective as trying to come up with a savvy remark of like, yeah, but like the oh. moment you hear, yeah, but it's like, OK, you're not listening. Yeah. You're finding a response or something to dispute in what I'm saying. And that's a protection mechanism for the yeah. most part. Yeah, exactly. I think that's that's but it, again, like that's something to learn. Right. Like, yeah, I, I can imagine listening to your story. That is something you did in your early career. Absolutely. And like, you've no learned doubt. how to start listening. Yeah, or try to, right? You know, <laughs> at least give them... Because I, I do feel that sometimes people just say things, you know, to, to make it seem like they're big or important mm. or whatever. But there are a lot of people there who are just trying to help or just trying to, you know, maybe show you something that you're not getting. And if your first instinct is to tell them, 
Well, no, because you don't understand. Like, you know, like to, to fluff it up. Then you're, mm. then what are you doing? What's the point? Like, you might as well tell that person never talk to me. And yeah. then just understand that you're not going to get any better or any, you know, benefit from that person's years of experience. Yeah. It's, it's actually interesting. Um, you, you weren't here when I was doing the intro to this actual oh. podcast. Okay. And I have this, this segment in the podcast called uh, My Mistake of the Week. Oh. It's like I started the podcast with, you know, something that I did. Mm-hmm. in the previous time that I realized was a mistake and I should have done different or I realized in the moment that I wasn't doing what I want. And right. my mistake of the week was actually that I, I went to a coaching, like a Team Ontario coaching thing with a bunch of different coaches and mentor mm-hmm. coaches and whatever. And I wasn't open enough to listening mm-hmm. to what other people were telling me at the beginning. And I right. realized that after one day and, and after that day, the, lo- the, the last six days of that, I learned a bunch. But it was yeah. only because after day one, I was like, I have not been listening. I've been closed and kind of like, oh, yeah. you t- don't talk to me. I already know it. Yeah. Like that, that kind of mentality. And that change made it that I had a great week and, and learned a lot. Yeah. And so it's, it's really cool that you just mentioned that because that was one of the things that I, you know, I know for myself I need to work on as well. Yeah. I love that you said that too because it, it's, it just stifles you. You know, like sometimes you need, you can't, um, put into your mind exactly what has been said to you right away. Mm. Sometimes you need to like think about it over a little bit of time and then then you get the development, then you get the meaning. And I also just feel it's good to, to learn or to hear different words from a lot of different people. And then you, in your mind, you put it together in this kind of strange amalgamation that works yeah. for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you put together what people are telling you. Yeah. So there's, there's one other topic that I, I, I would like to discuss with you and, and talk about, which, you know, I think right now is is on your mind a lot which is like how 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 do you transition from being a professional player into Mm -hmm. you know after retirement whatever whatever that is and i know we talked about a little bit like before and and stuff like that it's like um i guess the first question is is what are some things that you learned through your career as a volleyball player that you think are really going to help you uh, afterwards as you know somebody in the workplace or whatever you end up doing i've learned to be incredibly resilient because things have again like things have gone pretty well for me in my life but a lot of things have gone not according to plan and i have yeah just made so many mistakes and got back up and kept doing different things mm. so one of the biggest uh, and actually i'm happy we're doing this podcast now because it's so fresh in my mind but the maybe six weeks ago I started studying for my GMAT Mm -hmm. to try and get into business school and do my MBA and I just got news that I did not get in you did not did not get in that's a that's a shame it sucks I'm like I feel terrible about it and I'm so disappointed but um you know I I have other things I've always kind of hedged my bets I've had plan b's and plan a's plan c's and whatnot and all right I'm uh yeah like i sorry i don't mean to to lose words but there are times when things look super bad and you're really disappointed and that's okay it's completely normal um it depends on how you respond to that so i can respond to this in a couple different ways and i'm sure i'll i'll start with one and then go to the other where i you know feel sorry for myself get mad a little bit maybe mm-hmm. have a couple drinks but it's like that can't last that can't last for a week that can't last for a month that can last for like a day and yeah. then it's like what are you doing to better yourself 
Yeah. So one of the first things I want to do is I just want to talk to the admission council and be or a committee and be like, hey, what uh, what are some ways I can make myself more appealing to you in the future? Yeah. Like what are active things that I can do? Because if you're just sitting there waiting for things to happen, you know, if you might get lucky. Yeah. But otherwise, you need to be active. You need to take control on situations and even bad situations, especially bad situations. And you need to make sure that you to you turn that you learn something and you try and make it benefit you in the future because yeah. you're capable of doing that and you're responsible to do that for yourself. Yeah. I, th- I think it's a very good point. The, the, the thing I sometimes say is like what sets really good athletes apart from, uh, you know, call it normal people is their ability to, you know, fail and make mistakes and get up over and over and over again. And mm-hmm. it's really interesting that you say, so like it's something I've learned in volleyball, like to deal with adversity and like, obviously you don't want to but immediately uh, applying that to to your life dealing with this this setback that you've obviously had because i know we, we talked about this you you really wanted this mm-hmm. this opportunity to go to go back to school and 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 do that mba yeah so that's i you know obviously not nice news but still it's really interesting to see how those skills and kind of like transpose into life after your career yeah well i, I just feel like it has to make you better you know, um, I like the idea of kind of sharpening yourself and that's what adversity does. It mm. just, you can either break or you can get sharper and I would rather get sharper <laughs> Yeah, because it's, yeah, there are things, you know, I'm as an elite athlete, you, you have a, an appreciation for accomplishment. You have an appreciation for excellence and a lot of people have that in their jobs as well, you know, and that's the kind of person I want to be. I don't want to be the kind of person who's just content doing any one thing I kind of want to be that person who's always striving for the next thing so Mm. I mean I I don't think I could have done anything much better I worked super hard but it just didn't work out and that's something I have to deal with and yeah yeah and try and rebound from you know yeah exactly so um if we kind of look at the 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 career transition Mm -hmm. in a little bit of a bigger Light, Picture, yeah. right and i'm sure like when when do you remember sort of starting to think of like what am i going to do after this like was that in the last year you played or has that been like a question throughout it was your career? just in the last couple of years actually probably since mm-hmm. the olympics 2016 okay. whereas before i was just like oh i play volleyball and infinitely yeah. doesn't matter play as long as you can you know do go everywhere do this and that but i i kind of started to get homesick for canada because and I love all the experiences that I've had. I've, I've learned so much, but I've almost felt a little bit jaded, especially this season, because uh, we had a very successful year, but there were some other issues involved. And I was just like, I'm not enjoying a big part of what it is to be a professional athlete overseas. Mm. And the volleyball is great. And my teammates are awesome. We're having so much fun there, but that's only a piece yeah. of what else is going on. And so uh, for me, it's like, I know I've had such a good time being in Canada. I've been here since like May or June and it's so nice. And I just want, now I feel myself wanting to be here and to stay here and to mm-hmm. make a life here. And I know that I've, uh, I'm valuable overseas because I can play volleyball, but what am I valuable for here in Canada? Like I can't play professional yeah. volleyball. I can coach, I can do some other things, but I'm I, like I just want to find other things that I can, uh, you know, add value to me and then to give me a little bit more direction. There are a few things I'm interested in doing, but 
they're not uh, solidified yet, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So and, and how do you go about like finding that? Do you go out and try a lot of things or, or yeah. how do you, I think that's it. I, th- I meet a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Like I, uh, I just like starting conversations on the street with anyone. Like, cause I feel like, you know, you give them a little smile and people are generally going to tell yeah. you a little bit about themselves. Uh, cause when I was growing up, I thought, okay, you can be like a teacher or a doctor or a lawyer mm-hmm. or a janitor. Like those are your choices. <laughs> like, but there are yeah. so many ways people, you know, make money or make a living or enjoy their career. Yeah. And a lot of that is just exposure. Like you don't know that there's, you know, someone out there. So I met a, a lady at an airport lounge the other day. She's an older lady, probably 60 something, but she looked mm-hmm. fantastic. Like a, some kind of a model or something. Yeah. She was wearing a business suit and I asked her like, what, what do you do? And she's yeah. like, I sell tape. I'm tape. like a broker for, yeah, like tape, like industrial tape. So okay, yeah. Like this is a product that we sell right from the factory to like other distributors like 3M and stuff. I'm like, yeah. you sell tape. That's, I've never heard of somebody selling tape. Yeah, same. I never talked to a tape seller and she was into it. She was going, oh, telling me about the different types and like the qualities <laughs> and blah, blah. And I was like, wow. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a lot about tape. Yeah, and clearly you've made a good living That's... based off this product and yeah like i would never have thought of that had i not talked no. to you <laughs> that's that's really cool i think you know i would advise everyone who is who is not you know sure about what they want to do is go talk to people yeah right it's it's um i know for me that i always took myself as like i wasn't a super like uh inventive entrepreneur type person mm-hmm. like i was you know, I have my task and I stick to my task and I do it well and I enjoy doing it. And actually now being here and sort of like figuring out how I'm going to use the skills I have to, you know, make a living and and, and make a career. I have the same thing. I enjoy the process of figuring that out, talking to people. And and obviously this podcast is part of that, Mm -hmm. right? This is also my, uh, my idea of like, how am I going to solidify what I, what I know I can do, but it's not necessarily like uh, a job, yeah. right? I have skills, but do I really have a job? Right. Right. And I think that's, it's really interesting to see how you go about that. So what are some things that you have now? Let's, let's put it away. Like, let's, let's put it as well. Like what are, what are some fields that you're gravitating towards that you've figured out that where you can be effective well i have a lot of travel experience and i'm Mm -hmm. very comfortable doing that kind of stuff i've met so many people from different backgrounds so i feel like any kind of career that's based on relationship building or connecting or networking Mm -hmm. is something Mm -hmm. that i would excel in um i've done actually i did a volleyball camp here a few weeks Mm -hmm. ago for adults because i realized there's so many opportunities for like youth to like learn and develop but for adults it's like you just play your you know, your, your, your Saturday night or Friday night. Yeah, your game. rec league game yeah. and you can't learn any skills. You don't yeah. have any time for that. So yeah. um, I actually loved that. It was so fun and people were really into it, like more so than kids because they're a little more serious, you know, in general. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was that was great. I would definitely do that again if I was sticking around here. Just be, like not maybe not as a huge, you know, business on like, uh, you mm. know, an endeavor, but something to be on the side so yeah i'm, yeah, I'm not sure what, what i'm gonna do when i grow up yet i still got a little <laughs> bit of time <laughs> in case no people don't really know justin is he just said when i'm grow up he's about like six eight 
And <laughs> this is kind of weird for me because I'm about 6'6". Six, six. I'm not really used to looking up to people. So that's why I have to laugh about that yeah. a little bit. Um, so we'll, we'll do one last question and then sure. we'll wrap it up because okay. we're, we're, we're running through okay. the time really quickly. Yeah, we're hey. just having a good conversation. So, and this for people who, who maybe not as well versed in volleyball might be a little bit of a different uh, question, but I'm a coach. I know Justin's a coach. We both are volleyball players. Uh, we, we enjoy the sport a lot. So I know that he did the adult camp and it was probably, was it your first time like fully organizing sort of like head coach role at program? Yeah. So what was, what was the, the standout mistake you made setting up this program? I called the beginner's camp a beginner's camp. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That was uh, by far the biggest mistake. Um, so for me, I didn't know what to expect as far mm-hmm. as skill went from uh, who would be attending this camp yeah. because I haven't spent a lot of time in the Ottawa volleyball community or I haven't yeah. seen you know, that the level here, right? And so the beginner's camp, in my mind, was actually pretty decent. It was like widely applicable to everyone from, you know, if you're pretty new at volleyball yeah. to like if you've been playing for a bunch of years, but you just don't have all the fundamental skills at a high level. Yeah. So anyone could come to that in my mind, but because I build it as a beginner's camp, um, I had a capacity of 24. Yeah. First night I got 23 for the advanced camp. Yeah. Eight for the beginner's camp. And I was yeah. like, well, all the marketing was the same, blah, blah, blah. I had the write-ups, but clearly like this was not appealing to people because their impression of themselves was different than what that meant. Right. Yeah. So I went right away back to the Facebook group and I, to the Shopify page and I changed the write-up and made it beginner slash intermediate. Yeah. And I guess people told their friends and stuff too, because the second night I had uh, 18. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, 18 out of 24 is fine. <laughs> and I had the full 24 in the advanced camp. But I also, I looked at my shop page and I had, I think, 70 page views that day and only like two purchases the last day. Okay. So to me, because the advanced camp had sold out, it made me think, okay, more people came. They're like, oh, I don't want to go to beginner. So I'm just yeah. going to exit. So that, that, I think the wording is is very uh, very important there. Right? Yeah, begin intermediate. Begin intermediate. That's a that's a good one. But it it also you know we talked about a little bit about athletic identity mm-hmm. like way like thirty minutes ago. And I think that that this also shows a little bit that even in in people who are you know probably nowhere near ever playing professionally, right? Yeah. Um, which is only for the select few, right? That can yeah, oh reach yeah. it and have the right path and the right opportunities exactly. to get there. That no matter what level you play, there's a part of your identity that you ascribe to the sport you play. Mm-hmm. And that even if you just play your rec league once a week, if you don't identify as a beginner, you yeah. will not go to a camp like that or, or something like that. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting to see that dynamic and I'm happy you shared that because it shows that no matter the level people have some of their identity linked to the sport they play and it's really important for that part of the identity mm-hmm. to be recognized yeah. because beginner is it can be interpreted as a as a term of just people who maybe don't have as much experience or whatever but for a lot of people I think they feel like just be, they've played a few years they they're like yeah. they've advanced to the next level kind of thing sure like i've done a, I did a survey um survey monkey after just to get yeah. some information and one of them was like a lot of the people that attended my camp have been playing volleyball for five or more years 
and de- doesn't matter like maybe they only played once per week and they have yeah. a lot of work they could do on basic skills like in their mind after five years or something you're probably yeah. going to say you're advanced at it yeah and I, that makes sense yeah and you know that's it's it's interesting as well because it's probably uh, a little bit of a a terminology change for you coming from maybe a different level to scaling yeah. that to what you know the people here in ottawa are doing yeah it's it but you know it's it worked out because like i was expecting one thing mm-hmm. and it was almost bang on so okay. surprisingly so because i was a little bit nervous that i was going to be expecting you know my advanced uh i thought oh maybe like they're going to be mad if i'm doing some basic skills with them because they're oh we've done this and we yeah, all played yeah, college yeah. before because that's like different if i'm with a bunch of people who played college or university or maybe some people that actually played pro which yeah. i know there are a few in the ottawa area yeah. like i'm going to treat them a little bit differently than someone who's been playing rec for five years you know like it is different yeah so but um yeah that's uh, that's really cool if anyone is interested in are are you going to do another one um well i'm trying to figure out if i'm going to go to turkey next week okay and i might be there until may so if i do another one it'll be next summer okay (laughs) well if anyone's interested in uh going to one of these camps make sure to contact me and then i'll pass it along to justin to to persuade him to uh, to do another one <laughs> yeah. if there's if there's enough uh, ask for yeah. it. It's gonna be all advanced camps, advanced all and advanced. super advanced, super advanced, <laughs> elite, elite, yeah, uh, plus everything. one, <laughs> yeah, whatever I can do. So, uh, Justin, any final remarks, comments, concerns you want to share with the listeners of this podcast? Um, I want to say that for some athletes, the path is direct. The very, very talented few at the very top end, you know, they can make no mistake. Things just happen and, you know, it keeps rolling. For the vast, vast majority, and this is probably more than just athletics, but I'm going to say athletics, it's it's a fight. And if you're not prepared to take a few hits, you are not going to win that fight. So stay resilient, stay humble, and try to find an active way to uh, influence your life. Because you probably probably have a lot of success if you take that mentality towards it. Yeah, I think that's that's great advice, and and again, that's one of the reasons we're doing this podcast, right? About talk about the the punches you've gotten in the face, yeah. and and how to deal with that, and give people maybe some some uh, some grounds to work on, and have some a base of you know how did other people do that? Again, it's probably the same as you said. You want to get better? Go watch people. Yeah. Right? You go want to do learn, something. <laughs> you want to learn how to become resilient. It's not this innate thing that you either have or you don't. You learn yeah. how to be resilient. Yeah. And listen to people who have gone through it and learn from them how they learned how to be resilient. Mm-hmm. And if you can take that, if you listen to, you know, you talk to people and listen to athletes uh, like Justin on how they became resilient, you can take a big step and, and avoid a lot of the mistakes and just keep keep raising your level of resiliency. Justin, I want to thank you very much for being on. I had a lot of fun talking about your career and a bunch of other things. Oh, thanks. Um, if you're interested, please make sure to check out my Instagram. It's JWK Mental Performance Training. Um, Justin, do you have any place I, where we can follow you on social media i do uh instagram at just w duff 
There you go. Is, does it, is it full of like highlight videos and stuff like that? <laughs> no, it's pretty boring lately, honestly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I like having followers. It's nice. So, And I'm sure that if you want to ask Justin some questions on there, you can just send him a DM and he'll, he'll help you out in the best of his capabilities. Is that for right? For sure. For sure. There you go. Thank you very much for listening to the Imperfect Athlete Podcast. And I hope to see you again in the next episode.